This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Like Shelly said, we're going to talk about grace today. Once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. Remember, uh, our definition of grace itself is an empowerment, God's empowerment. Some other definitions are grace are uh, God's goodwill, God's favor, uh, his, his blessing upon us. So when we talk about grace, understand that in the last few weeks we talked about that we're, we're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says we're saved by grace through faith. And so not only am I saved by grace, but I've got to believe God for it. And so when we go back to what we talked about in, in 2 Timothy 1.9, God saved us, he's called us, he's purposed us, and he's graced us. So if God has saved me by grace, I believe that God has called us by grace. And God will purpose you by grace. In other words, God's not going to put you out there by yourself and expect you to do everything on your own. God wants to empower us. God wants to help us. God wants to make your life easier. So these next two weeks, we're going to talk about grace. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, begin in verse 39. It says, so when they had performed, and this was talking about Jesus' parents, they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, right here, Luke emphasizes the complete humanity of Jesus. That Jesus came to earth as a man. And so right here, it shows me and it tells me that for Jesus to accomplish everything that God called him to be and to do, he had to be graced himself. Actually, when you read that verse right there, he graced him in strength and he graced him in wisdom. And oftentimes when we read stuff about Jesus in the Bible, we say, well, that was Jesus. That was him. God wouldn't do that for me. Yeah, he would. Look, look uh, to your right to the book of Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4, and I want to give you a, another illustration of grace that Jesus or, or the Lord moved for the apostles even. Now think about that, that God graced Jesus while he was here on earth. God will grace you. Acts chapter 4, the, the, uh, the disciples were going through some really, really rough times here. We begin in Acts 4 verse 29. And it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. I don't want to bet you, but I want to speak the word of God with boldness. And he says, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and may wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with great boldness. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. All things were to him in common. Verse 33, and with great power. That word power in the Greek literally is the word called dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. And when we talk about the word dynamite here, power that he's referring to, He's talking about power 
in our ability and he gives us strength. And he ends with this verse and says, And the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Great kindness was upon them. Great favor was upon them. Great goodwill was upon them. And so in reading this here, we begin to get a description that God graces his servants right here on earth. And you're called to be a servant. God will grace you. He graced Jesus and he graced the the disciples. Now I want you to go with me back into the Old Testament into the book of Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel chapter 1, and as you're turning there, Jesus himself said this to me and you. In John 14, 12, he said, The works that I do, the works that the Lord Jesus did, you will do also and greater. Now, I don't know if that stumps you, baffles you. It it always has me for the Lord Jesus to say to every one of us in here, The things that he did, and I know what he did. You study the scriptures what Jesus did. Jesus said, not only the things that he did will you do, but also greater. And you know what that has written all over it? The grace of God. The only way that's going to happen is by the grace of God. And so God will give you and me abilities, and we have abilities, But to put us over to fulfill the call and the purpose for everyone, it's going to take his grace. It's going to take his empowerment. Now, in saying that, how many in this room have ever prayed, Father God, grace me? Lord, I ask you to grace me. Grace me as a man. Grace me as a woman. How many have ever felt overwhelmed as a parent? I could paw up here for you and get my hands and my legs all up. How many have ever felt overwhelmed in your marriage? Probably every one of us in here that are married. Some of you say, that's me right now. But in saying that, have we ever come to Father God and said, Lord, grace me in this area. Grace me to be a mom or dad. Grace me to be a great spouse. Grace me, Lord, when I go to work. Empower me, enrich me, favor me. So we pick up here in the book of Daniel, and and I've studied this passage all the way through Daniel for, for months now, and stuff just keeps jumping out at me. And so in this passage, we're going to study about this, this Hebrew boy named Daniel. He had three buddies named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when we pick up right here in Daniel chapter 1, this was the beginning point of their life. Actually, I believe they were trainees here. And when you're a trainee, you're in a place called character development. And this is where they were at. So we pick up Daniel 1, verse 3. Then the king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, he instructed Ashpenaz, the the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, Jews or Hebrews, and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Now, this wasn't only about their aptitude. This was about their discipline 
and their integrity. And so this is the starting point. So we begin to get a look here that, that Daniel and these three other Hebrew boys, they're in this training area. Now look what happens, and I'm going to jump to verse 9. Look what happens in this verse. Now God. Now God. Now several times today you're going to hear me reference this phrase right here, now God. And when I read this here, it tells me, God had a part in this. God had a place in this, just like he does in your life. And it says, now God brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, what did we define grace as earlier? Favor, goodwill, kindness. And so literally when I'm reading this verse right here, you can begin to get, God's grace was upon Daniel. Did he have abilities? No doubt. We read them in verse 4. But the thing that would put them over wasn't their abilities. It became the grace of God that was upon their life. Now remember, they were servants of God. They were committed to God. They had an allegiance to God. And when I live my life that way, I'm committed to God then God's grace is going to come upon us. It's going to move in our life, and it's there to empower us. So we read this here, and, and, and we jump now. I want you to jump to verse 17, that same chapter. And it says, As for these four young men, God gave them. God gave them. There it is again. The phrase of God. That God was upon them and God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, I highlight again what he said there, and God gave them. So for them to function as the servant and to help this king, God gave them. God graced them. Now, hold fast to the thinking in there. He gave them wisdom. And he gave them knowledge because you're going to see that play into our lives here later on. We go on and read in verse 18. Now at the end of the days when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in this realm. Now, when I read this here, what I want you to see is God's touch was upon them that made the, the miracles in verse 19 and 20 happen. Now, here's what I begin to see this. That it says here that God made them ten times better in wisdom, and an understanding than all the people of the world. In other words, they were ten times wiser than the ones that weren't children of God. Now, if God favored and graced Daniel and his three buddies with ten times more, when me and you live committed to God, now, we're under the covenant of grace in the New Testament. You know what that tells me? God wants to make you ten times wiser and ten times more knowledgeable in every area of our life. 
Even when you go to work, I believe God's saying, that's my boy, that's my girl, and I want them to be ten times smarter than everybody else. I want their marriage to be ten times more blessed. I want their homes. You know why? Because in Matthew 5, 16, it says that he will grace us that we may be able to do his work, show his works, do the deeds of God right here on earth, and give him glory for it. So you know what he's telling us? God said, I'm going to embrace you to be incredible people right here on earth. And when people look at you, they say, I went to school with you. And you weren't the sharpest tool in the shed. What has happened to you now? You are so wise. And you look and say, oh, it's the grace of God upon me. It's the goodness of God upon me. It's the favor of God upon me. I mean, even in my life, when people that I went to school with find out what I'm doing for the living, they say, how did that happen? It's the grace of God. That's the only example. That's the only explanation I can give you. It's the grace of God. And what I want us to see here today is God doesn't just grace us with saving grace. God will grace you with sustaining grace. Where you go through your life with the grace of God upon you, where you shine as the light, that you become the salt of where you're at, and everything falls back and says, it's because of His grace. Now, the dilemma we come into as, as human beings, usually we're, we're on this side or we're on this side. This side says right here, there's no way I can, I can be anything for the kingdom of God. There's no way I could ever serve. There's no way I could ever do that. And so we look at our own abilities and our own talents and we say, no way. Or we get over on this area and we start having such great success that we think we're God's answer for everybody. And, and we start taking the accolades instead of giving them to God. We start thinking we're so smart. You know what the fruit of pride is? A fall. And so the key is here is God doesn't want us in this ditch and God doesn't want us in this ditch. He wants us right down the middle of the highway where we march through life and everything we do, it points back to him and say, God's great. Now, turn a couple pages to Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel's life is going on now. He's beginning to move forward in life. And we start in verse number 1, Daniel 6 verse 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps or high officers to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So over his whole kingdom, he began to funnel it down. He put 120 over the whole kingdom. And over those 120, he put three. One was this Hebrew boy named Daniel. Now, remember when you start reading this right here, this isn't where he started at. He started down here, and he went through character development. You know, one of the worst things that can happen to a human being is you succeed before you're ready. And anytime you see people that start rising to elevation of success, and all of a sudden they, Humpty Dumpty had a terrible fall, it's almost always related to pride. 
They have too much success before they're ready. So what has to happen is through the grace of God, I begin to build some character and integrity. And, and God says, and I'm going to keep gracing them. I'm going to keep gracing them. This is what happens to Daniel. So we keep reading verse 4 or 3. Then this Daniel, he distinguished himself. He distinguished himself. Listen what the message says for that. He completely outclassed the others. He distinguished himself. Now understand this, that he had an unshakable love for God. He was committed to God and he was separated under God. And so it is said that he had an undistinguished himself above, above the governors, not beneath them, not beside them, but above them. And it says he, 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 he was over the governors and the safe traps because an excellent spirit was in him. An extraordinary spirit was in him. That word right there means to go beyond the normal. In other words, Daniel didn't do just what everybody else did. He, he worked harder than they all did. He had more character and integrity than they all did. And get what it said there. It said he had an excellent spirit. It didn't say he had an excellent mind. And it didn't say he had an excellent body. He looked like Arnold. No, it didn't say that. It said he had an excellent spirit. So when we talk about spirit there, what does that have to do with? My heart. Daniel had an excellent heart. What does that mean? When I have an excellent heart, it'll overflow on every aspect of my life. It will begin to change the way I do everything. You know why that happens? Because everything I do in life, it's under the Lord. What would happen if I got that thought in me? I'm going to live with an excellent spirit. I'm going to live under the Lord in everything I do. That means when I go to work, I'm going to work differently because I'm doing it under the Lord. When I raise my kids, it's going to look differently because I'm doing it as under the Lord. When I go through marriage, I'm going to do it differently because it's all unto the Lord. And so you begin to get a glimpse of this guy named Daniel. He had an excellent spirit. He said, you know what? I want to do everything I can as unto the Lord. God, you're going to have to grace me. You're going to have to grace me. Verse 4. So the governors and the satraps, they sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. So what begins to happen here? is Daniel began to make enemies at work. They didn't like the way he did things. Listen to this verse. This is in, in the Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 18. This is in the New Living Translation. Now, this is a good verse for you to write down. Listen real close to this. Workers who protect their employees' interests will be rewarded. The very workers that protect their employer's interest will be rewarded. So when I read this here, I think this defined Daniel. That he said, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for the king. And God blessed him. But it ticked everybody else off. 
So we keep reading verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. The only chance we got on him is his commitment to God. And his commitment to God became a point of vulnerability for him. You would think in this situation he would start backing off. He doesn't. Keep reading verse 6. So these kings and satraps, they thronged before the king and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions or prays any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which is not altered. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So they go after Daniel. And they sucker this king into believing this. And, and the, the, the point of vulnerability they go at with Daniel was him petitioning or praying to God. And the only common sense or common logic that the guys could come up with, the reason this guy named Daniel keeps getting promoted is because he prays. And when he prays to his God, something happened. But instead of them saying, man, we ought to start finding out who his God is, they have the thought, we were trained by the greatest lawyers, the greatest doctors, the greatest bankers. How can this be happening? How can this guy be being blessed over us? So they go after him concerning God. And they thought, we're going to get him. Now watch what happens in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks because his God, as was his custom since early days. That tells you right there, this guy wasn't a closet Christian. This guy wasn't just the guy who prayed on Sundays. This was his daily habit. This is what he said I do. He understood firmly that this was his lifeline to God. And so with, with the risk of being caught doing this, instead of hiding about, he opens the windows. This is who I am. This is what I do as a man of God. And so you begin to get his heart and his allegiance was to God no matter what was going on. He said, I'm going to live for God. Now look what happened. Same chapter, verse 16. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, now listen to this. Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Your God will grace you. Now get what the king said to him. He said, your God whom you serve continually. In other words, the king saw Daniel's commitment, his allegiance to God. Do I live that way? I mean, if you went to work and had a, a sign on you that said, I'm a Christian, would people that work with you look and say, I never knew that. When did that happen? See, he wasn't ashamed of God. And I look and all through the Bible, 
The people that weren't ashamed of God or ashamed to be called Christians, they weren't ashamed of the gospel. God graced them in incredible measures. So they throw old Daniel in there. And the king realizes, these guys have suckered me to do what I did. Same chapter, verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting or a voice of anxiety to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Once again, this king referenced your God. Your God. So my paraphrased edition, Daniel yells out and says, No worries, king. No worries. My God's got it. My God will help me. My God will walk me through this. And so when you begin to see all the things that happened with Daniel, God blessed him. God took care of him. God graced him. Psalm 512 says this, God blesses his righteous and his favor surrounds you like a shield. His grace surrounds me like a shield. What a prayer to be saying, I thank you, Father God, that you bless me, you're righteous. And your grace and your favor surround me like a shield. Now go back with me into the New Testament. Go back to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And I said a minute ago, it's, it's just not saving grace. That God saves us, but that's just, the, be, that's just the, the beginning point. That's not the end point. And wherever God, He calls us, He's going to grace you. Where He leads, He feeds. Where He guides, He provides. God's going to help us. He's going to grace us. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to Him, now to God, who is able. Just as we sang today, my God is able. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. The New Living says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So when we talk about power, remember grace is empowerment. God wants to empower you to fulfill everything he's called you to do. And if you'll notice in this verse how he starts, now, now, now to him, God is able to carry out his purpose. Not just above what I could think or ask, but exceedingly abundantly above what I could ask. So it's if God's saying, listen, I've graced you. I want you to think big. I want you to talk big. I want you to act big. I want you to believe big because I'm going to grace you in that arena. Turn back just a couple pages. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 15. Therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, you got born again, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking here. And he tells them right here, as saints, as Christians, he said, listen, boys, I'm going to pray for you. Not only are these prayers that he prays over these saints important, 
These prayers are important that me and you pray these over ourselves. Now watch what he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation or insight in the knowledge of him. Those words right there are very similar to the same words that were spoken about Daniel back in the book of Daniel. I ought to begin to pray this right here. Father God, I ask you right now, give me the spirit of wisdom. Give me revelation or insight into the knowledge of him. And he goes on to say, that the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Father God, I pray. Begin to show me what my inheritance are as as a saint of God. And he ends here in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? What is the exceeding greatness of his grace toward us who believe? Now look how he ends. According to the working of his mighty power according to the working of his mighty grace within each one of us. So when you look here, you talk about God's power, you talk about God's grace for us to rule in this life. And you go back and you look at Daniel because the grace of God on his life, he was able to rule instead of being ruled. And that's exactly what God wants to do for every one of us in this room. He wants a great, a gracious with an incredible grace that puts us over. I got one more scripture you got to look at. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Once again, he wants us to be distinguished. He wants us to live differently. Now, here we are in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12. This is a passage about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the same Paul who used to be called Saul, the man who said, I'm the chief sinner. And if you study Paul's life, he, he did incredibly bad things. A man who would be very easy for him to walk this earth in shame. Now, don't raise your hand here. But how many of us in this room have incredible shame? Where Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. But yet, God used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And in my personal opinion, I believe he was the greatest disciple of all of them besides Jesus. How could that be? How could God use a man who had caused so much pain and so much shame in his life to become this? The The answer for that is grace. That's the only answer. And so in this passage right here, he's going through an incredible difficult time in his life. Really a hard time in his life. Now, just sit here and think for a second. Are you going through a really hard time right now in your life? Going through a really hard or difficult time? Maybe you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and have thoughts. I can never be this. I can never be that. You're right, you can't in your own abilities. But watch what is said right here in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace, my unmerited favor, my undeserved blessing, 
my empowerment, my, my goodwill is sufficient for you. Now, he was writing that to Paul, but in Jesus' words right there, he's telling me and you, his grace is sufficient for you or me, no matter what I'm going through. God's grace is what facilitates our abilities. God's grace, when you look at this right here, becomes a barrier. It becomes that hedge of protection. It becomes supernatural ability within us. And he goes on to say, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace or my power is at its greatest when you're weak. So when I'm going through things that just seem like they suffocate the life out of me, have I ever asked God to grace me? God, grace me today. Grace me as a man. Grace me as a woman. Father God, I welcome your grace. See, so much of the time, the grace within our churches has been taught as you can live however you want. You can sin as much as you want because we've been graced. Grace gives me a license to sin. Listen, guys, as a human being, I don't need a license to sin. I do well enough without a license. But that wasn't the reason that he graced us. Listen to these three areas that he graced us. Number one is a manifestation of his power. He graced me to have a power. Number two, a God-given resource that makes possible holy living. That's next week, okay? Come back next week and you'll hear this. And let me just dive into it just a little bit here. I would venture to say every one of us in this room that have given our heart to Jesus, we want to live holy lives. I don't want to lie no more. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But even this guy named uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he said this, the very thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. How many of you have ever been there? I'm there right now. There's things in my life that say, I don't want to do that. And so we have this thing called willpower. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell no more lies. And willpower, you know how it lasts? How long it lasts? About a day. About a day. And then you know what we start doing? We start lying. And we think, I don't, I don't want to do that. But have ever asked God, God, grace me today. Empower me today. I don't want to do those things. I want to live for you. So really when we ask God to grace us, we take all the pressure off of me and we say, okay, Lord. Now that doesn't mean I don't have a responsibility. But that does mean he'll begin to grace me. And before I tell a lie, you know what happens? It's like the the, the, the Holy Spirit will poke me and he'll put a warning on me and say, don't do that. How many of you have ever been in Walmart and you're looking at something and you have the thought, I ought to just steal that. You guys have never had that thought? You guys are a lot holier than me then. Maybe you guys are saying, we've got to get a new pastor. I'm serious. I've had that thought. 
You ought to just stick in your pocket. And you look and you think, where'd that thought come from? Remember this, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. What did he say, Margaret? Thoughts are going to come. It's not a sin to have thoughts. It's bad when I begin to act on those thoughts. And so when that thought comes, I begin to say, Father God, you got to grace me where I, I don't act on those stupid thoughts. I don't act on those things. The last area here is an empowerment to achieve his plan. See, God's got a plan for you, just like he had a plan for Daniel. We looked at these guys in the Bible, whether it was the apostles, the apostle Paul, whether it was Daniel, and we think, they were born with a cape on their back. They got dressed in a, in a phone booth. That's not true. They had very common things like us, but they got under the grace of God. And the last one it says here is empowerment to achieve his plan and endure hardships. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm exempt from having hardships. You go back and look at Daniel's life. Getting thrown in the lion's den and think you're going to be a lunch snack for these? That's a hardship. But in this situation, if you're going through a hardship right now, don't plead the fifth and say, why does this happen to me? Plead the blood and plead grace and say, Father God, grace me today. Empower me today. Help me to rise up. And this is why we got to talk about grace in this sense. That grace, God's grace will help us to live victorious. Where I go through life and I think, okay, Father God. How many of you have ever been in a situation in your life when you were at work and something happened and you were, you were able to pull it off and everybody thought, darn, how did he figure that out? And you snicker on the inside and you think, it's the grace of God. It's just the grace of God. And many of you have had certain things that happen that you may have had quotas to meet and you thought in the natural, there's no way I can meet that quota. And when you do do it, it's the grace of God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.